Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. Connect with Carrie through her candid, funny, informative, and always encouraging weekly blog. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, son. Great. Because of social distancing, we've been absent from the studio for almost 10 weeks. It's a real treat to be back in the studio with my special guest, visionary, inventor, entrepreneur, Democratic candidate for lieutenant governor, and real estate developer, Mr. John Burkhalter. John epitomizes the American dream. He is a living testament to what hard work, creativity, and ambition can do for one's life. I think everyone in Little Rock, if not all of Arkansas, has heard about or has seen the new, very large apartment and marina development being constructed in downtown Little Rock on the Arkansas River, an aptly named Rock City Yacht Club. Well, my guest today is the man with that vision. Mr. John Burkhalter has rolled the bones to build his dream project with a price tag of over $100 million. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table inventor, civil engineer, real estate developer, community activist, and father of two beautiful girls, Mr. John Burkhalter. Thank you so much, Carrie. And it's uh, great to be here with your sons. And I thought when you told me that Ann and Grady McCoy were your in-laws. They are just wonderful, wonderful people. I, I hope they're listening. They're great people. And uh, I'll never forget one time in the White House how Ann, she had her eyes on me. She wanted to make sure that I... Was behaving? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I think you might not always behave, John. You and I are high school rivals from North Little Rock. Did you, did you know that? No. Did you go to Old Main? I went to Northeast. Oh, yeah. That was a rich school. I was... Uh, Sylvan Hills. Yeah, I was more. I came more came from a more blue collar community, which was a wonderful. I lived the American dream with my family and my four sisters. But y'all were considered a more wealthy area of town. I know. I love that. Yeah, I started in Rose City. Do you know where Rose City is? Oh yeah, yeah. I had a lot of friends in Rose City. Yeah. So we're about the same age. What year did you graduate? Seventy two. Seventy four. Yeah. So that makes me think that you and I probably went to clubs together about the same time. Uh, I mean, back then people went possibly, clubbing. Yes. I mean, they don't do that anymore. But well, you went clubbing back then. You oh, went yes. to Cajuns. You yes. went uh, Studebakers. Studebakers. Uh, yes. yes. And the LA had the Troubadour and uh, Studio Fifty. I can't remember which number that and was. And not that I went to the Bobby Sox many times. But I remember Sox. when they closed the Holiday Inn. I, my wife, she goes, "Don't go to another auction." But when they closed that down, I bought. So many things. There, when when I die someday, it'll be a huge auction because of all of the uh, things, different things I've bought throughout my life. You have to keep a warehouse with all those. They're just they're in eighteen wheelers. There, things are everywhere. But I, I'm a collector. I love to collect. So you're unabashedly about this, but chances are we've probably met each other in a club before. Uh, probably so, because uh, I, I did in my twenties. I be I, popular. I could have maybe seen you. Yes, but you know, without iPhones. your clothes. Well, for for a short time, <laughs> yes, I, I I always loved priding uh, myself that uh, you know I would never condemn anything anybody does to make a living. But yes, I uh, was fortunate that 
I made money in many different ways, and I literally was buying cows at the sale barn. That's another story because I didn't know a thing about a cow. You're not going to tell everybody what I'm talking about, are you? You're over there grinning from ear to ear. I love this about you. You are unabashedly honest about it. Yes. And, and, tell you know, it. Say and, it. And I had a great time. What is it? I was... Uh, I had a stage name called the Metro Express. You were a Chippendale dancer. You're just not going to oh, say it. And right. I, <laughs> I love that name. And I, what was it? Metro Express. And then the song was a party train by the Gap Band. Remember the Gap Band? If, yes. If this room was bigger, you would have to get up and show us some of your moves. Yes. Oh, yes, my well, Lord. I think I think women would probably pay me to put my clothes so, on versus take them off at this point. So you used to be a jock, though, and a bodybuilder. Yeah, I enjoyed sports. I enjoyed working out and and, and, you know, that really speaks to what I talked about in the beginning. You are a testament to a hard worker. And the reason that that endears uh, you to me is because that just shows you're willing to do anything. You're a scrapper. You're, you're hardworking. You're, you're, you know, you can, you can just you take risks and you do things. That's, yes. a, that's a great testament to what an entrepreneur is, is somebody who takes a lot of risks and just keeps pushing forward, trying new things all the time. I remember when I was real young, uh, if I wanted something, my parents taught me, well, you're going to have to earn it. And I remember I was a patrol boy in the fifth and sixth grade. What's that mean? Uh, you stood at the street crossings with the flags and you had the orange, orange belt with the badge. And it was, uh, but then I ended up walking home. You know, because the buses had run and everyone had gone home. But I learned to pick up Coke bottles and stick them in culvers. And then once a month or whenever my stockpile got so large, we had one car. And I'd have my mother and my father drive the car. And I would fill the trunk up with Coke bottles and take them down to the store. How old were you? I was fifth and sixth grade. And, of course, I'll never forget my first check. I think everyone wants the opportunity to get their name on the check. And I started mowing lawns. And once in a while, you know, I would get cash. But, you know, usually they'd write the check. And seeing your name on the front of a check always inspired me to uh, want to work hard and do better. You're exactly right. My father went and got me a checkbook when I was in middle school. I guess it was junior high back then. And I carried that checkbook around everywhere just because it had my name on it. Oh, yeah. And you balanced it. You knew how down well, to the penny Well, I didn't spend any money had. out of it. Well, and there probably wasn't much money in there like <laughs> mine. Uh, you were actually born in Missouri but moved to North Little Rock, Arkansas when you were just six months, months old. Did your parents get a job? Why did you move? To, why did you move? My dad's an engineer. Oh, like he, you. I'd love to tell my parents' story. I have the most wonderful parents in the world. And my dad, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, he was too young to be signed. And so my grandmother, he kept honor and signed him. And he went to the Philippines. And he was too young, didn't have a lot of skill set. So he built Quonset huts during the day. And then he would run over the PT fleets. When he got off work, and he said, I'd shine shells, I'd swab decks. What's and PT fleets? It's a, you know, the PT boats, the oh. plywood boats that uh, were used. Uh, 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 President Kennedy, that, the PT-109. Oh, right. mm-hmm. And so he finally got a, a young lieutenant, put him on his boat. But my dad got home, and he had a chance to get a J- to the GI Bill. So he went to Arkansas Tech and in Fayetteville, where he met my mom. And uh, he was an engineer, and he was working on when they were building Table Rock Dam. And I came into the world of celebrity. I uh, they had a brand new hospital there called Skaggs Hospital, and uh, they were going to have a bunch of wards, a key to the city uh, for the thousandth child born. And since my dad was up there and my mom, you know, they thought, "What is Table Rock going to do to this little town?" And they lived on Lake Tanicomo. But I was the thousandth child born, and uh, so I was on the front page. And I it was a you know, of course I. Don't remember it, of course, but uh, oh, you don't. 
but not but, uh, <laughs> close, but not that close. So you were going to go to school to be a doctor. I went to you know, my uh, Methodist minister. My dad took me to Hendricks and said, "Your dad uh, was a Methodist minister too." No, oh. uh, brother Jim Keith. He's uh, he was my minister, and to this day, we're still very close. Great, great guy. Okay. And uh, they took me to Hendricks and said, "You're going to be a doctor." And my sister skipped her senior year. She was really smart. And uh, we were both at Hendricks together. I remember that after two years, we went home and told mom and dad at the same time that she was going to be an architect, which she is today, and I wanted to be an engineer. I had a chance. I'd taken every math course Hendricks had to offer, and I remember the head of the math department said, John, you'll make a great doctor, but we don't have anything left here for you. You need to go to Columbia. And at the time, I didn't know what Columbia was. I had no idea. And, uh, but uh, I went and got a great engineering degree from the University of Arkansas Fayetteville. So when you got out of school... Did you get an engineering degree? I yes. mean, a job, an engineering job? Yes, I went to the high bidder. Um, you know, the person that offered you the most money. <laughs> I went to the high bidder, which is not a bad thing. No. Um, but I really wasn't using my engineering degree. I went to work for Halliburton right oh, yeah. College. And I was working in the oil field. I was a big guy, and uh, uh, I enjoyed it. But I, I went to engineering school to use my mind, uh, not my back. And so uh, one of the shortest jobs I ever had, and I came to Little Rock uh, to work for a small engineering company, Jim Summerlin, who's still like a dad to me. And uh, he had just gotten a job from the highway department, the Highway 82 Bridge over the Washtenaw River, and they were looking for young design engineers to work on that project. And so I was one of the design engineers. And that's when I also met my first highway commissioner, Patsy Thomason, came in. I don't know if you remember Patsy, but uh, she was appointed by Governor Beebe, and I was later a highway commissioner. And I'd love to tell you that story someday about well, how I got on the Highway Commission. But uh, uh, it, uh, I, I wanted to be use my mind. I wanted to to design and build things. You know, engineering is a great degree for people to, to do right now. There's not enough people going into the engineering field. I hear that there's a shortage of engineers. I would, I've mentored quite a few young people that were trying to make a decision when they were going to go off to college. You can do so much with an engineering degree. It, it just it prepares you for life. It prepares you to solve problems. And, and every day we're confronted with problems and how to work through those. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I would recommend an engineering degree to any man or woman that, that would so desire. It's a great profession. When I looked at your, um, when I looked at your list of uh, inventions that you've patented, it looked like they were all, to pr- they all looked like they were all engineering. They looked like they were all solving an engineering problem. And so um, I think that when we come back, we need to talk about, this is a great place to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, some of your inventions and some of the problems you solved with them, and you can tell us the story about the very first thing you invented. When did you decide you wanted that in, being an inventor was a real career? I mean, you're going to, you're going to be an engineer, and now all of a sudden you're like... I never thought of myself as an inventor. You didn't. My parents, you know, since uh, if I wanted, I remember when I wanted a go-kart, there was mm-hmm. no such thing as is buying a go-kart and uh, i was uh, in scouting and so and my to this day i'm an eagle scout because of my father and mother but when i wanted something they said you've got to go earn it you've got to go get it so i went to the dump found a frame and so you one of the things i think we're missing today is shop at school we and home ec, we used to call it home ec. Mm-hmm. i know how to sew because my mother taught me how to sew mm-hmm. but uh I agree. I, I needed to, to, to get what I wanted. I had to think outside the box. And learning to use tools is, is incredible. Yeah, I grew up running you know, you a planer, a table saw. I knew how the right way to, to use a skill saw, a nail gun, just 
my parent, my father taught me he was a very good carpenter. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's great. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with inventor, real estate mogul, and community activist, Mr. John Burke Halter. Still to come, an inventor's life, how to apply for a patent, and the story behind his newest $100 million commercial development on the Arkansas River, Rock City Yacht Club. What is his vision? And can I rent a boat slip in an apartment today? We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 1995, she embraced the internet and rebranded her company as simply flagandbanner.com. In 2004, she became an early blogger. Since then, she has founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom, began publishing her magazine Brave, and in 2016 branched out into this very radio show, YouTube channel, and podcasts. And today, in 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years. If you'd like to sponsor this show or get involved with any of Carrie McCoy's enterprises, send an email to me, gray at flagandbanner.com. That's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. The flagandbanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. Thanks, Gray. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with inventor, civil engineer, and real estate developer of Rock City Yacht Club, I like to say, and Marina. Do you ever say that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And some people don't quite understand what you mean when you say a yacht club. I know. It's scary. It's intimidating. Well, I started out with a canoe in the Arkansas River. Uh, I stayed against the banks because I knew that probably didn't need to be out in the middle in a canoe. Well, you never do in a canoe. Correct. And uh, But, yeah, it's a... It's for any size boat that you want to bring up that river or down that river. But, you know, party barges, runabouts, ski boats, that's really I the main thing. I can't wait state. to talk about your marina. I am in love with it. I have been on the river. I have looked at it from both sides. I am in love with it. I'm actually jealous because I wish I could do something big like that. It's awesome. It's going to be great for Arkansas. And I think you probably figured it out because of you worked for the AIDC so long. You probably saw what these needs for Little Rock. But. Let's not talk about that yet. We're going to talk about your career as an inventor. As a child, were you always t- taking stuff apart at your mother's house and driving her crazy? Yes, I remember small toys. I would end up taking them apart. Of course, my, I have four sisters, and they didn't enjoy that part Tear of the, it. the heads off their dolls. But what was what's, interesting... What's making their neck turn? <laughs> yes, and what's so interesting, when you would open up a toy, it was the inside of a, a, a spam can or something, because so many things were coming from Japan. What? And after yes, after the war, we sent a lot of our, our. They bought a lot of our scrap metal, and so those toys you would open up, and the inside it still would have the label of the of the type of vegetable or company that actually utilized that that can. The original recycling. We should still be doing that. Tell us the first thing you patented, or actually maybe the first thing you invented, my, and then the first thing you patented. Yeah, I'll talk about the first thing I invented. But what's interesting on patents? Just because a man's name is not or a woman's name is not on the patent, a lot of times. The person that really did the work didn't get their name on the patent. And we could talk all day long about patent, but I know a lot about patents and the patent attorneys. I call them tall building attorneys out of New York City. I have I had a lot of those working for me. 
But the first time thing I invented after I left Hendricks College two years, I went to Fayetteville to be a civil engineer. And you take an introductory to engineering course. It's a drafting course. And you had to come up with a design of something. So I saw a need of an aluminum can smasher. So I actually built that aluminum can smasher. It was a prototype completely made out of wood. And I did it in my dad's shop. Uh, I figured all of the, the moment connections, the design, the size of the bolts, didn't do anything with it, made an A in the class. And then uh, probably about eight years later in a lumber yard, I saw that aluminum can smasher. Aluminum can smasher. You so, were like, I made that. Yeah, I thought, Did well, you why think, didn't I do why, something with that? Is that when you first started thinking, I need to start patenting my ideas? No, I never I never thought about patenting things. I, I was, I'm always the guy you got to get from A to Z and how do you get there. And you figure out along the way how to do that. And if you didn't come from money or influence or power, you've got to figure out how to get to Z. And so uh, it wasn't about ever chasing a patent. I've had a lot of young people come to me and said, I've got a patent. I'm working on a patent. And uh, they said, we hear you're the guy. And I said, have you got a good life? Do you have, have got a, fam- a good what? I said, do you, do you have a good life? Do you have a family? Why? Do you have a good job? Because making it in the arena is very difficult. But you did, didn't you? I did it, and I believe anybody. That's what's great about this country. But you have got to have guts. You've got to, you've got to be someone that will never stop once you go down that road. And so most people, if they've got a good life, and they've got a good job, and they've got a family. See, I didn't have a family yet. I just met Penny when I got ready to come out of the shoot, and I'd been to most every bank in central Arkansas. Even to this day, some of the bankers say, I didn't see you coming, John. And now, you know, bankers have helped me get where I am. My professionals have helped me. My employees have helped me get where I am today. But uh, I'm a guy that didn't couldn't. I didn't have access to capital. Mm-hmm. And so once Do I, do you have to have access to capital to get a patent? No, you can. Can you write it yourself? File it yourself? Do you but, recommend well, that? Well, to make sure it holds up, you're going to have to hire a lawyer. Okay. And so there's so many patents that are never worth the lawyer fees that it took to get You it. have 14? No. Oh, that's how many I saw online. How many do you really have? No. Uh, and like I told you, my name's not on those patents. Oh. I'm the guy, and I, and, and I guess you're probably alluding to the first company that I got highly involved in. I was the guy that, that basically a company came and got and said, John, you're the guy that can develop this product. And so I moved to West Texas where I began the R&D process. For what company? It was called Uline. It was a product, a trenchless technology, where you reline underground sewer pipes. And there was only one other company in the world at the time did that, and it was a publicly traded company. I knew that if this would work, I would become publicly traded. But still, when I got turned down by all the banks, I said, how am I going to get there? But long story short, I finally remortgaged my home. Because you, if you're going to remortgage your home, you got to do it while you've got a job. That's right. I remortgaged my home, pulled capital out, and uh, with Penny as my new girlfriend, I walked away from my engineering job and started my first company but with thought, not a single customer. But I thought you said you went to Texas and worked for a publicly traded company where you— It wasn't publicly traded. I had gone to develop this product. So they said you can do it, but you have to start your own company to do it for us. Well, what happened is— and I've learned in life, my parents taught me if you shake someone's hand and you got a deal, you got Absolutely. a deal. Well, you can't do that in corporate America. Oh. I did the deal on a handshake for an X percent of this company in one year and one, 
and in a year. That's why everybody's listening out there. You know, you get a lot of experience in life. But basically, I didn't get the stock. I was terminated. So you moved to West Texas. You did your job. You got them what they wanted. And they and when stole I asked your for the, idea. When I asked for the stock, well, it wasn't my idea, but I was the one that was perfecting it. And when they st- when they let me go, I got my job back. I always know, don't burn the bridges behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, got, I came back and got my old job back. In Little Rock. Yeah, and then they came to me. Who's months they? later the people in texas i don't really want to give them a whole lot of uh, but the people in texas came back to you and they said hey we need you and mainly it, it couldn't make it work properly you need to come back and finish the so job i basically said i'm not going to work for you guys and this is what i want so basically i ended up before it was over the biggest installer in the united states of this patented product when you said this is what i want what did you want i wanted territory just like if you get a McDonald's franchise for Little Rock or the state of Arkansas. So you said, I'm not going to come to work for you, but I'm going to start my own company. I want a territory, and I'm going to perfect this in my territory, and I'll own my own. And I'm going to deliver the technology and so I'm, that everyone can prosper. And I knew But how this to make, area is mine. Yeah, and so before it was over, I was in 27 states before I actually got out of the business. And I was on the road constantly. And it, but it was the American dream. It was an unbelievable ride. How many years? I I actually incorporated my company in 91 with no loan, and I earned an SBA loan in 1993. I remember I went to Terry Renault over Twin City Bank, just kept going yeah. in and seeing him. He's sitting there with that cigar in his hand. And so I, how many years is that? Well, I started in 91, earned the SBA, and you earn them. They don't give them to you. I earned, so I started in 1991, earned the SBA loan in 1993, and sold my company to the public markets in 1998. Oh, what a ride. And it was a ride. And uh, Gray, you look pale. Yeah, that all happened real fast. <laughs> but it uh, it was quick. It was it was, and it was one job at a time. Just like you have one customer at a time, uh-huh. you sell one flag at a time, you sell quality at a time. And I would build one job and one state at a time, one job at a time, one municipality, one engineer at a time. So when I'm reading about the patents, is that the one with the uh, with the projectile that? Is, what did it do? Is that the one that I read? Where is this one? That's well, the, I'm not privileged to see what you have in your hand. Oh, let me see. I'm going to tell but, you. Uh, it's, uh, it's the dual combustible missile system. Is no, that in a pipe? No, you've got the, probably the wrong guy, possibly. But, no, I uh, don't. <laughs> it's got your name all over it. This, uh, I was involved in uh, originally with a theoretical patent. But what does this patent do? Because I've asked everybody, what does his patent do that he first got his first break, that he's parlayed into all these other things? What does it do? It re- Nobody knows. Uh, let's just talk about a vein or artery in your body. Okay. You know what a stent is? Yes. They actually go in there and they put a new section in the artery or the vein. Imagine a polyethylene pipe, a material that like when you go to the grocery store and you buy a gallon of milk. That, ju- that milk jug is made out of polyethylene. Right. So we would manufacture polyethylene pipe round in a gas plant. You've probably seen the orange or yellow pipe that lays out on the ground when they're putting in the ground. That designates that it's, that it's a gas pipe. And so we use the virgin material, which is white, because we need to be able to see it. It's probably too much to tell in an hour. We would make a pipe round, and then we would deform it and coil it. And then we would pull that deformed pipe inside an old pipe and then close the ends, create a pressure vessel, superheat water, and 
reform the pie. It, it would bl- unfold like a balloon. Yeah, but but imagine a piece of macaroni, how it gets hot, it gets uh-huh. soft. So, oh, I see. So when you take the, the polyethylene to temperature, to certain temperatures, see, a lot of people thought yeah. they could shortcut what I had worked on. Yeah. But, you know, there's a reason you got to get from A to Z when you when you read or you build something. People thought that they would, could just pull it in there and pop it out with air or hit it with some heat, but that wouldn't perfect, wouldn't, wouldn't. And it patches holes in the pipes. Well, from manhole what to manhole. What problem does it solve? It patches it, holes? It puts a brand new pipe in the ground without excavating. So, oh, yeah, good. So one of my first big jobs was in Oklahoma City, and I remember there was AT&T building set there, and this pipe was 20-something feet in the ground and had holes in it. I put a brand new pipe in the ground that gave it probably another 50-year life without excavating, without digging the surface of the ground. Because if you dug down by the ATT building in Oklahoma City, you're going to hit fiber, you're going to hit gas, That's your legacy. I know you think that this new marina is your legacy, but that's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible. You invented a clothes hanger, adjustable desktop, cardiac replacing pump, aerial cedar. Is that some farming thing? I... Am I... What? Some of those things you can't credit me with. Well, your name's on. Okay, forget it. Tell us the story. So you just but I t- live the American dream. And I remember my, my Bob Ferguson, my CPA, who may be listening today, who is my mentor and my big brother. And he remember said, he goes, what are we going to do next? He said, you can be done. And I said, nah, I've just begun. I, uh, my mother always taught me, John, don't you ever stop dreaming. And that's one of the things I hope the viewers pick up from this conversation is you've got to pay a price and no matter what mistakes you've made you can be anything you want to in this country you've got to pay a price you're going to need a little luck but the main thing you got to do is you got to be able to work and work a lot of hours that's right i took off early to come see you tonight by the way oh thank you so like you were saying you uh it's creative you find business creative and it isn't a creative outlet for you to keep building ideas and businesses. I mean, what would you do if you weren't? Yeah, when I, when I got ready to build this yacht club, when I fathomed at the cost it was going to, because I'd run some estimates on doing building it, because one, I had to tame that river's edge. I had to build a river wall, but, but I wanted to build something to a Corps of Engineer standard, something to a high-end standard, and so I had to figure out a way to skin that cat in a different way, and I did come up with some marvelous designs that um, I think are fascinating. All right. I want to just do a reminder. I don't think we're going to take a break because we've got to talk about the um, we've got to talk about the Yacht Club because I'm in love with it, as I've said 20 times. But I do want to remind everybody you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. And then I'm speaking today with inventor and real estate developer of Rock City Yacht Club and Marina, Mr. John Burkhalter. So when did you think... It's 99, you've sold your business, you're like, I think I'll become a real estate developer. Or when did you join the AIDC? Did they come hand in hand? No, they came at a different time. When I was building my business, I'd never had capital. I didn't have money. Because you're reinvesting it into your business all the time. You always do. That's what what small business people do. I didn't come from money. So I I would read a lot. I love to read. That's If you come to my home, you're going to see on my nightstand, it's covered up with periodicals and books on history, but I love to read. But I learned that, you know, how do you build wealth? How do you build companies? And you need to own real estate, banking, and and many, many other. So, and since I designed a lot of projects for developers when I was a young engineer, I saw them do great things, but I also saw them make mistakes. 
And so I said, I need to, one thing I, people should take away, stick to what you know in life, stick to what you know. And so I said, I know how to design subdivisions and apartments and warehouses. So I said, all right, I'm going to get in the, I want to, but I don't, I just don't want to have someone build it for me. I want to buy the land, design it, find the funding, build it, own it and operate. Do you own a construction company or did you sub it out? No, no, no. I own several construction companies, yes. Um, if anybody's been down Canis, the Canis expansion there in West Little Rock, mm-hmm. all that heavy work, road work, I've got two of those big sections that I'm doing. First one starts there at Shackleford, and we're almost finished with that. But we do a lot of road construction. Because you're a civil utilities. engineer. Yes, yes. And so I, I And that's get, what everybody needs to know what a civil engineer is. It's a it's road construction. Well that's one of the <laughs> that's one of the aspects. And water. Yes. And gas. Yeah, you're you're a pretty good salesperson. Yes, that's you're pretty close. Yes, because there's lots of engineers. Yes, I remember when I first went to Fayetteville, I got up there and my advisor said, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, what which type of engineering makes the most money?" Is that right? Yeah, and they said chemical. I said, "Well, sign me up for chemical." Well, I learned real quick that's not chemistry. You cannot really see it. I love civil engineering because every day, whether it was a piece of lumber going up or a pipe going in the ground or dirt moving, I got to see it. And it, I've always, my whole life, I've felt that I need to do something for others or myself every day to really feel good about myself. And I learned this from my parents. Uh, my mother was the brownie leader and the Girl Scout leader, and she, all my sisters were top scouts. And I remember my dad took the Cub Scout troop before I was even old enough. And then after I became an Eagle Scout and went off to college, he still had the Boy Scout troop because he wanted to make sure he found the right individuals to take that troop over. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been blessed. Um, I grew up middle class. I grew up, my mom and dad loved one another. And I, I mean, I've lived the, I lived the American dream and I was made before I left my home to go to college. That's the, that's the missing link in everything, I think, is being made before you leave to college. So your first development was what? I started buy, buying law, raw land. And so I looked at it, Colonel Glenn, and then How'd I— How'd you get—oh, you already had your money from your invention. All right, go ahead. Well, it was the first time in my life I had any money in my pocket. So you bought raw land. Where was it? Ma uh, So what I did is I, I went to Northwest Arkansas, oh. Boomtown, USA, mm-hmm. and I started to ask realtors. They said, well, you can buy this corner, and this company owns it, or this sister of this family. And, you know, it was, the, it was the, some a lot of the wealthy families in Northwest Arkansas, and I go— the price is so high, what am I going to do with it? If they want to sell it to me, why aren't they doing something with it? And so I looked in central Arkansas, and then I finally realized Maumel Boulevard was the right price. Things hadn't been inflated yet, and so I be- began to buy land in the Maumel area. What year was that, 2000? Well, I, I, I went public in 98, and so that was about 2000, 2001. Did I just see you sold all that Maumel land in the paper? Uh, not mall mail, but I sold some other developments. But, it wasn't mall mail? Uh, oh, I did sell one over there. Oh, my gosh. How many do you have? Yes, I did sell a really nice <laughs> development over there. Yeah, it was just in the paper this week. Um, no, that was probably the Amazon transaction. No, it was not because I didn't know you got. Let's just bust you out right here. I was wondering if I could say anything about it. So I, uh, you got the Amazon transaction. Uh, uh, what well, do you call I, well it? I should say there's a guy I'm going to shout out to Pete Hornibrook. Yeah, he is like a dad to me, and he taught me. I knew nothing about real estate, so I went to people I trusted, and Pete always taught me. 
too much non-income producing dirt will break you because I started buying a lot of dirt. He said, John, you got money, but let's don't let's slow down on just the raw dirt. We got to figure out something to do with great this dirt. Great advice. And Pete told me, he said, John, he said, because um, I had this great piece of property in Maumelle, and he said, um, what do you want to do with it? I said, I think I want to build a commercial park. I didn't want to call it industrial park because, you know, back, uh, you know, AIDC used to be the Arkansas Industrial Development. And now, you know, we've changed the name, and uh, hopefully I get to talk about being on that commission and being the chairman. But Pete said, build big boy buildings. Build buildings for big companies. He said, mom and pops come and go. He said, there's nothing wrong with a mom and pop. Because I mean, I, I grew up a mom and pop. My grandparents owned a little fabric center in Pike Plaza where I learned to sew, and my mother was a manager there. And she made sure she didn't get the chance to go to college, so she made sure that we were all going to go to college. My parents made sure that we went to college. But I was right in there with my sisters. I learned to sew. I learned to do whatever it took. In Pike Plaza on Pike Avenue? Yes. Uh-huh. And I met a dear friend of mine. My uh, Rick Ashley, we I know we ran into each other because his father owned the on the strip mall, and he always had a young child in tote. And, but uh, that's how I learned uh, my first business opportunity. But Pete said, "Build big boy warehouses." Okay. Mm-hmm. So that meant tilt wall concrete, rubber roofs, and mm-hmm. high stacking heights. In other words, you can put tall racks in there. Mm-hmm. And he was absolutely right. I built the first hundred thousand, then I built another sixty thousand, and hundred thousand what? Uh, square feet oh. of space. And also I have a complete commercial park where I've got Medline Industries in there, which is all the disposable. So the you hospital. built them and they did come, just like the movie. Built them and they yes, will Yes, but not as quick as I, you know, everything. That's the other thing. You have to be patient with your investments, whatever you do. It's always, as you know from being in business, it takes mm-hmm. longer than you would mm-hmm. hope. But uh, I didn't get Amazon because of any inside connections or knowing anything that was going on. No, but because you're a guru and they're like, oh, Burkhalter can get it done. Well, I got great buildings. Oh, that's exactly why you got it. <laughs> it's because I got the, I feel the best buildings. So let's tell everybody what we're talking about. Well, we're talking about a new um, distribution you know, center for Amazon that went up for bid and everybody had to go online and, and apply for it. Well, now, and first of all, is that what we're talking about? Well, the Amazon is uh, is building a big development at the port and also at on I-30. I got, it's called the last mile pretty much. Uh, and so odd-shaped items, like whether you buy a fishing pole or a, or a TV or something. Oh, you got those. Those hit this warehouse, and then they go out in Bob trucks. And When are you going to start doing that? Well, we're already they're, – they're doing all their own finish out with their own contractor inside, and I'm – Who's uh, doing the regular deliveries around town for Amazon? I've wondered who that I don't was. know anything about the Amazon model at all. I just know that uh, – You just know what you got. Yes, and I think it's because we got great warehouses. And, of course, we got – what's that, so interesting is that there's a game out right now. i got to bring this game up. Uh, oh, okay. My CFO brought it to me. And he said, "Hey, take this and play this with the girls when you go on vacation." But it's called Ticket to Ride, and and you open this game up called Ticket to Ride, and it shows the railroads that were b- built. You know, you know, let's say around the turn of the century, right? And it shows all these cities. And when I opened it up, what dawned on me, I wasn't really interested in the game. It's a game of some skill that has to do with Monopoly, somewhat like that game. But what I noticed was all the major cities. And Little Rock is poised for growth. We have two major interstates, a Nabble River and heavy rail. And when you look at that game and you look at how large those other cities have grown, um, I mean, I think Amazon has has looked at the country and decided where they want to be. 
<laughs> yeah, so anybody gets a chance to look at Ticket to Ride, I think. But Little Rock is going to be a major hub. When I say hub, I mean a big city. It's going to grow. That's how come you decided to invent. Let's tell everybody you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with inventor, real estate developer of Rock City Yacht Club and Marina, Mr. John Burkhalter. So you've decided... And so that did had you already decided to do um, the yacht club when you played Ticket to Ride, or what was the thing that <laughs> Ticket to Ride's a new game, uh, <laughs> or, did, or did you just that was just something I've seen here in the last six months? But so what was the catalyst that did working for the AEDC? You were like, well, you know, when when Governor when BB became governor, I yes. wanted I love telling this story. Uh-huh. I wanted to be a highway commissioner because it's a ten on a ten. Well, you were. Well, but I wasn't yet a highway commissioner. So uh, Dan Flowers, who was the uh, head of the department out there, I had a good friend, Jim McClellan, and I said, Jim, take me. I said, I want to be a highway commissioner. He said, well, let's go talk to Dan Fowler. So we we get we go out and we're talking to Dan, and, and I said, I want to be a highway commissioner. And he said, John, he goes, you need to understand, I don't make that decision. Because he ran the department. That's mm-hmm. the point. You're mm-hmm. appointed by the governor. But mm-hmm. uh, long story short, short um, why did you want to be a highway commissioner because i'm an engineer and remember okay. i met, mentioned earlier i met patsy, patsy thompson as a young engineer i thought it was just a fluff job no it can be all you want okay um, go ahead but i remember i asked i told the governor said what do you want to do he said I, you got a lot to offer the state and i said well i want to be a highway commissioner he goes you know i don't have to be a highway commissioner. how old were you <laughs> i was that young but so See, he, it's a retired person's job. It's a fluff job. But he said, no. He said, John, I want you to go to the Economic Development Commission to become chairman. And so uh, I, I did that, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, we made we made loans, real loans, for people in Arkansas bringing their companies here and for Arkansans, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. But after that, that's when I got a shot, and the governor appointed me to the Highway Commission. Oh, it, when you were working for the AEDC, did you is that when you decided Little Rock needed a yacht club, or how did this vision or dream begin to grow? And when did you decide it's now or never? I had a friend who's uh, you remember years ago when the American Airlines crashed on the runway, runway skidded to the end. So this friend of mine said that his father had gotten a call and said, "Hey, go! I've got some land down there by the airport. Go see if that plane's on my property." So my friend Greg and his father go down there and see this land. And so they thought, well, we can do something with this. So they bought it because it is a jewel. So he had owned it for a while, and he called and said, John, you got, a, you got a few minutes. Let's go to lunch. I'd like to bounce something off of you. He said, you just seem to know how to get, get to the end. And he said, this would be a great place for marina, apartments. Well, he said condos. And we drove out there. It was completely covered with cane. Yeah, debris, and he said the river's over here, and you couldn't. So I said, Greg, I'm not. I don't like water moccasins. I've been hunting my whole life, and I said I don't like water moccasins. I don't have on boots today. No, and so he said, John, just follow me. So I went to the river. He kind of told me what he goes. How do we get this done? And I said, This thing has got hair all over it. What does that mean? Oh, it It means it means it's got warts. It's got. (laughs) It's got I mean, a, a lot of cleanup. It had a sewer line. It had a <laughs> gas levee, line. Probably it had a power line. It had a flowage easement. It was going to oh. take all sorts of local, state, and federal permits. But he's in love with it. He had bought it, and then he Cheap. called me. and Said, "I got to, I got to get out of this thing." 
So I said, what do you got in it? And I said, how long have you carried it and what you've spent? So I agreed to pay him that. And and you but, bought it? Yes. Was it just out of the kindness of your heart? No, I knew what it could be. I you had said a it had hair and warts all over it and easements, a, and it was a mess. But I'm a guy that, you know, I put my, I'm just an old plow mill. You put me, that harness on me, I'm going to keep moving. How many acres is it? Well, what's interesting, it's a public-private venture. It, the original purchase I had was about 12 acres, as I recall. And so there's a piece of property right beside it that was owned by the city parks department. And it had been designated, possibly donated years ago, set up to be a public park. But really, it was pretty much a dump. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I encouraged the city to, hey, put out an RFP. What's Let, RFP? A uh, request for qualifications. Let me build a park here for you, and it won't be a normal park. We don't just need another park with grass. Yeah. We need a park in the river. And so they thought it was a good idea, and then a good friend of mine, Wayne Woods, who I didn't know at the time, he was on the little selection committee. And I'd met him at a later date when I was on the Economic Development Commission, and he was uh, working with state parks and tourism. And so I got selected to build a park. I was the only respondent, of course. And I remember as we worked through <laughs> a 99-year lease with the city, I was questioned about, John, why are you going to do this? And why are you going to do that? And I go, well, what do you mean, why am I going to do this? And why am I going to do that? Well, that's not going to make you any money. I go, well, this is not all about making money. This is about doing the right thing in the capital city of the state of Arkansas. We don't have a facility like this, and I want to make it world class. And so it took. A, so you I, already were thinking yacht club or, I was thinking or marina. Big. I was thinking big, and you were keeping it under your hat. Well, no, I'd already. Be, I redrew this development many, many times, and so uh, the permits. It's very difficult when you're working with so many federal and, go, and state agencies and county agencies, and you've got to be extremely patient. But it can be so wonderful once you get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a very long, deliberate process, and I got to reach out to everyone that helped me, the Corps of Engineers, City of Little Rock, Pulaski County, City of North Little Rock, everybody in the end. But vision is very difficult for people. Yes. Uh, Tell us your vision for that. You know, my vision from the very beginning, just mm-hmm. like when I started that company, I said, I'm going to go to the stock exchange with that company mm-hmm. because I really felt what I had. I knew that this would be world class, and uh, I knew there would be a lot of obstacles. But uh, And, of course, I've had several banks throughout time. I remember the first bank that went out back was NBA, which is now owned by Arvest. I remember I met with kind of the board out there, and I remember one of the guys on the board said, hey, if anybody – that's why I said hair. He said, if anybody can get the hair off this deal, it's John. <laughs> I'm going to use that. And so I began, it took eight years approximately to get the permit. No. You've yeah. been working on this for eight years? This thing, I bought this property over 13 years ago. So out of the, so eight years to get the permit, couple, a year or two to get the bids right, and then, so you've been in construction three years, you we've, think? We've been under construction down there for three years, and we are so close to the finish line. Have we you, are, can you rent apartments now? Oh, they, they open at the end of September. And the view is unbelievable, not just downtown, but to the river. The river is beautiful. And there, and then you can see the sunset from them, I noticed. Yes. It's right at the end of the river. I sat right out there yes. in the little John boat and right by where where if you had, if you were on that dock, what it would look like before the show, because I wanted to know exactly. And it, I've got a picture. It was gorgeous. 
it is, and the marina is open now. And I welcome anybody to go down there in the evening. Can you go down the there? Sound. Oh, yeah, there's a big dock out there. I thought it was gated. No, it's not gated. No, this is public access to everyone. Now, the, the apartments will be gated. The marina is going to be public access to It's everyone? totally public. What if there are – so there are also – Big ocean-going boats down there. I'm not sure I'd want my big ocean-going boat to be sitting down there publicly accessible. What's there amazing is... There are million-dollar boats sitting look, down there. Look at, look at uh, the crime. We have no crime down there. We're not having billions. There's nobody down there. No, you're wrong. Go over there right now. You'd be amazed at the people that are over there, the bicyclers, the joggers, the people that are down there now. Another great thing that's coming is uh, Metroplan approved a grant to extend the Southwest Trail all the way out to Clinton Lock. What's the, the Southwest Trail? It the bike is trail? a bike trail that goes all along the levee along my property, and it all goes all the way out to the Clinton Library, a long time into planning. But there are so many cool, cool aspects of this project. My project, we're finishing up the rollout ramp, and a rollout ramp is where you roll a travel lift out where you can pick up large boats, houseboats, anything larger than you can trailer. Is it public access? Well, this, you know, we would have to perform that service for you because, gotcha. you know, it's... Uh, but there is a ramp, public access. There's a public ramp that's that's funded partially by the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, and it will be open, you know, hopefully six to eight weeks. We're that close on it. But the marina is open. Uh, the flagship of the whole development will be a floating restaurant, and it's the, the roof is already on. It has like a copper-colored roof on it. Great lighting. And it's going to be 8,000 square feet. And uh, I'm going to have a tiki bar that I think is going to be so cool. I bought a plane out of Washington State, an old Cessna. And remember years ago we had this restaurant called Diego's here? Mm-mm. Well, there used to be a restaurant down in Riverdale and had a plane kind of crashed in the roof. So I'm going to crash this plane into the and, and paint it up like a drug plane. And it's going to be called, and the wheels of the, of the Cessna <laughs> are going to be hanging down in the bar. And it's going to be called the Wheels Up Bar. The what bar? The Wheels Up Bar. Wheels up. So, oh, it's going to be like after the Tom Cruise movie down there in Mena, Arkansas, that was flying in all the drugs. (laughs) What was that movie called? American. American Made. American Made. Oh, that's what you need to name it. American Made. Yes. And it's going to have (laughs) a full service restaurant, a dock store and fuel islands. And it's it has definitely been a labor of love. But it's um, I mean, it's going to be a legacy property for me. And it was to do the right thing. A lot of money. A lot of money has been spent for the public use down there. And I encourage anybody, if, you can, if you're willing to stay the course, try to do a public-private. Uh, you're doing one right now. I know, and it is a labor of love because it is not easy. No, but, you know, as you know, to be successful, but nothing's it, easy. But you, you're, It's you're, your legacy. But you're, you, you feel like you're doing something. Yes, and it's going to be wonderful. And you know how difficult it is to deal with through those agencies and to get. I know we got a, you got a grant of some type, and but yeah. So everybody, it's the Dreamland Ballroom he's talking about because yes. you and I know what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, the Dreamland Ballroom. I remember when I first met you and you took me up there. I said, God, why didn't I buy this place? Because I, mean, it's <laughs> I hear a that all the time. The vision. Well, you would have had the vision for it. Most people said you have gone insane no. to buy this place. But it's fabulous. So the restaurant's going to open when? Because I would love to be able to pull my boat. You've got docks where you can pull your boat up on the river. You're out at lunchtime. I always thought Cajun's Wharf was missing the boat by not doing this. You can just pull your boat right up there and go into the restaurant. Because I actually built the restaurant floats. When you're in there, the water's flowing under you. When's that going to be ready? The first apartment building opens here at the end of September. And they'll all be open probably by Christmas. I'm actually 
taken an apartment for my family too down there. Good, I was going to say because uh, that's how much I, I I think it's so wonderful. And then we're going to complete rent- the village. We're going to finish the village, get all the apartments done. It is a village. Frame the the. I've, I've got a great consultant I'm working with on the restaurant, and then uh, we'll you'll see us frame it out. So we're running out of time. Apartments, boat slips, restaurant restrooms outdoor entertainment areas mechanics shop marine uh marina and store which will be summer jobs for kids i think it'll be awesome if you've ever been to lake washita it's one of the things i love about it boat rental can you rent a boat right now not right now but you will be next spring i'll be the first one i don't want to own a boat but i love renting them been there done that own boat thing a lot of people say best days of boat owners when you buy it and sell it but lord i love i got a lot of boats and i love them you so i encourage anybody boats well, awesome. when my husband saw your marina he's like maybe we should get another boat and i was like oh <laughs> here we go again uh all right thank you john here's your thank gift you. we're out of time you've got uh, to come back you. we're going to start doing the show from the dreamland ballroom and you'll have to come that is a yacht ensign yes, flag absolutely. it's uh, for the people that are listening he's getting a desk set with a u.s arkansas uh, and a yacht ensign and this will be on my desk tomorrow anchors away mm-hmm. all right in closing to our listeners thank you for spending time with us we if you we hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it whatever it is will help you up your business your independence or your life i'm carrie mccoy and i'll see you next time on up in your business until then be brave and keep it up long before beyonce sang this song to the Obamas at the inaugural ball, Etta James sang it on the Dreamland Ballroom stage. Located on the top floor of the FlagandBanner.com building in downtown Little Rock, there lies a historical treasure called the Dreamland Ballroom, where musical greats like Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and Etta James once played. 30 years ago, this magnificent venue was destined for the wrecking ball. But since 2009, the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland has worked to restore this piece of Arkansas heritage. They've made it their mission to bring back its history and culture by providing tours, artistic performances, musical education, and cultural outreach. As you walk to the entrance of Dreamland, you'll notice the paver bricks that are engraved with commemorative names and phrases chosen by donors to Dreamland. The Pave the Way fundraiser is an ongoing project of the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland. Paver bricks are available for you to be a part of this restoration project. Visit dreamlandballroom.org to find out how you can contribute. You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray. That's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting and upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.